Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Brothers, sisters, extraterrestrials, and everybody else in between, it is your man, the Duke, here. And listen, you know that I want you to quench your thirst, and I want you to do it in, in as little limited, in fact, unlimited ways. Okay, and that's why I encourage you to check out the Unlimited Sip Club. Our friends over at Panera Bread has put together a fantastic club here, an exclusive club here. What's cool about it is once every two hours, you can have a beverage of your choice, including their iced or hot coffees, iced or hot teas, the fountain beverages, get this they even have those healthy energy drinks that they've dubbed the charged lemonade and let me tell you something man it is fully charged that's right that's right check out your local panera bread or visit panerabread.com i absolutely encourage you to check out the unlimited sip club and if you are a new subscriber you're going to get your first month free then after that it is only 11.99 per month again Drink of your choice once every two hours. You can't beat it. You can stop into a Panera Bread, grab yourself a drink while you're on the road and you need to take a break real quick or in between meetings, you name it. And hey, while you're there, grab yourself a pastry, a sandwich, a salad, whatever you need. Okay? Visit Panera Bread. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The men's main event for WrestleMania is traditionally about championships, legacy. It's about making history. But for Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, WrestleMania 39, the main event of night two, it's not just about the championships, and it's not just about greatness. For Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes, night two, WrestleMania 39, the main event, it's also about birthright. See, birthright is defined as a right, privilege, or possession to which a person is entitled by birth. Throughout his life, Cody Rhodes has been told that he is entitled, he is destined, he must be a world champion. Why? Because he's the youngest son of the legend, the Hall of Famer, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. He's also the brother of future Hall of Famer, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Gold Dust. Cody Rhodes spent his entire life around the pro wrestling industry, whether it be tagging along with his father in his own independent promotion, whether it be running around WCW, interacting with some of the biggest stars in the history of pro wrestling, whether it be going through the WWE training process to become a WWE superstar. Cody Rhodes has had the destiny to not only be a superstar, but the 
birthright to be the world champion. See, this WrestleMania main event is all Cody has been working for his entire life. And on top of that, the cherry on the cake is it's the one thing that his Hall of Fame daddy, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, was never able to accomplish. But Cody Rhodes almost lost his dreams. He had almost slipped through his fingers. When his father passed away, Cody hit a wall. Frustrated with his career, stuck with a gimmick that he didn't believe in in Stardust, Cody requested his release from the WWE. And surprisingly, it was granted to him. This set off a chain of events that would change the wrestling industry as we know it. Cody went on a grand tour all over the independent wrestling scene, wrestling a who's who of young up-and-coming stars that Cody had always wanted to tangle with, but never had the opportunity to because they were not signed to the WWE. Over time, Cody would eventually meet the son of a billionaire by the name of Tony Khan. And because of that meeting, combining forces with other wrestlers, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, ultimately they would form All Elite Wrestling. A company that, to this day, presents itself as a direct rival to World Wrestling Entertainment. Cody Rose was so fixated on doing his own thing in the spirit of his daddy that one of the first things he did at an AEW event was take a sledgehammer and smash a throne designed in the manner of Triple H in the throne that he normally sits on. Cody Rhodes was turning his back on his dream and creating new dreams, or so it seemed. He soon found out that it's a lot easier to just be part of the team as opposed to being one of the decision makers on the team. See, Cody Rhodes eventually realized no matter where he went, no matter what he did, he still had that burning desire to achieve the greatness of stepping into his destiny and grabbing what he believes is his birthright. Not only becoming the world champion, the greatest championship in all of wrestling, the WWE championship, not only that, but to do so on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes left All Elite Wrestling, came back to the WWE, won the Royal Rumble, has defeated anyone and everyone in his path. He has done every possible thing that he can to take possession of his birthright. But there's just one problem. In order for Cody to achieve his goals, in order for Cody to go down in history as a person that did exactly what they were born, groomed, destined to do, Cody has to defeat another person with his own family lineage and who many can argue as his own birthright, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. And I know many out there are thinking, well, Roman Reigns has been given so much. We're sick of it. The guy has been champion for nearly a thousand days. We're talking years. He has smashed them and stacked them. He has done it all. He has defeated the who's who at the top of the wrestling chain to become the undisputed world champion, not only in the WWE, but in all of wrestling, second to none. But you got to understand something. Despite the fact that Roman Reigns comes from a historic Samoan family whose main business is pro wrestling and who many have been WWE superstars, including his cousin, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Roman Reigns was never supposed to be here. 
Roman Reigns is playing with house money. On two separate occasions, Roman Reigns had been notified by doctors that his body is in a battle with cancer. This is the great equalizer, the thing that can snatch life away from anyone in every single year it does just that. And somehow, some way, Roman Reigns has found the strength, the resolve, the luck to pound cancer into the ground in a way, at least long enough for him to become one of the greatest pro wrestlers in the history of the industry and the unquestioned tribal chief of all of wrestling today. See, Roman Reigns is not afraid of Cody Rhodes or the Rhodes legacy. Roman Reigns does not care about Cody Rhodes' birthright. You know why? Because Roman Reigns has faced tougher. He's faced badder. He has put his life on the line. He has done everything he possibly can do to be who he is today. And he has no intention of stopping anytime soon. So what's it going to be? Whose desire, whose birthright is going to win out? Well, the great white hope, the man who's draped himself in the American flag, Cody Rhodes. Will he finally win the big one? The prize that has eluded his daddy, his brother, me, you, your mama and your cousin too? Or will the tribal chief, the man who has defeated cancer two times, the man who has smashed them and stacked them, beating the who's who in all of pro wrestling, will he continue to reign supreme? Because that is his destiny. You tell me. Duke Loves Wrestling at Gmail. Duke Loves Wrestling on Facebook, on Twitter. Who is going to win night two? The main event at WrestleMania 39. Roman Reigns or Cody Rhodes? Whose destiny cannot be denied? One way or another, we're going to find out on April 2nd, folks. My bet, what I believe, Roman Reigns walks out with the championships. Cody Rhodes, you're on the clock, my man. The pressure is on. Your heart is beating. We see the sweat on your brow. You're stuttering. You're jittery. Can you do it? Or will you have more hard times? <laughs> we'll see. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back... The return of a great friend of the show, someone who is fresh off of training some of the biggest and brightest stars down at the WWE Performance Center. I'm talking about El Presidente of Texas Wrestling Academy, Rudy Boy Gonzalez. I want to remind you to check out Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. That is my favorite program to use for all my recording needs. And the great part is not only do they have audio, but they also have video options as well. So whether you're video conferencing, podcasting, just catching up with friends and loved ones, you definitely want to check out Zencaster. They have uh, paid subscriptions. They also have a free version, which I'm actually using right now. Transcripts, the whole nine yards, and even get this. Zencaster has started to do hosting. So for all you podcasters out there, if you're looking for a host for your show, please consider Zencaster. You will not regret it. I'm telling you right now. Once again, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. 
made on Zencaster. That's right. This is Rudy Boy Gonzalez, El Presidente of the Texas Wrestle Academy and Texas Wrestle Entertainment here in San Antonio. And you're listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Look at that. The guy's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, you know, we are coming up on the seventh year anniversary of Duke Loves Wrestling Podcast. And I'll tell you, we've had so many great guests through the years, but I can honestly say that this returning guest is absolutely the most influential. And, and, you know, this show wouldn't continue to exist without him. So without further ado, welcome back. Happy anniversary, the whole nine yards. Happy birthday to the man. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. What's going on there, Rudy? How's it going, Dukester? How's everything going out in your area? I know I know. right now there's a lot of snow and stuff. And so um, are you being snowed in? Well, this is the crazy part. So all the snow came, and it's called a nor'easter. That's what we call it. It's a massive snowstorm that just, you know, envelops everything. It hit everywhere but Boston. I We didn't even get an inch of snow. I mean, that's it. It's whatever the accumulation total was, was less than half an inch. But yet all around us is like a foot here, you know, eight inches there, over a foot there. It was crazy, man. But this year, uh, this season, I should say, we haven't gotten much snow in Boston. So wow. I don't know that, what that means, man. That is crazy. So you're celebrating seven years of doing your Duke Lowe's wrestling podcast, huh? Yeah, it's, it's going to be... The third week of April will, will officially be seven years. So we're we're knocking on the door now. And I mean, you've geez, you've been on the show about as much as anybody, man. You know, the funny thing is that, um, as you know, because I asked you for some advice at one point, I tried dipping my toes in the podcast business. And I think I lasted like four or five episodes <laughs> that, you know, and you're you're saying you're on you've been going for seven years. It's not as easy as guys may think it. I see other guys also as, that have, you know, that have said, "Hey, we're, I'm going to start a podcast about this. Would you mind coming on?" It's not as easy as guys want to think think that it is. It's it, it's a lot of hard work, and I commend you for that because, I mean, it takes up a lot of time. There's editing. There's which I never even touched on. I just, I just thought of, you know, talking into my, you know, microphone or whatever, my phone even, you know, send it because I had a guy that was I, I was actually you know uh, piggyback on. And and just send it to him, and then you know he'd message me back. Hey, can you do this differently? Can you you know? And I'm like, dude, it's it's you know, and it, it, you know, it, I have no clue. I had no clue what I was getting into, and um, so like I said, it only lasted like four or five episodes, and then you got to come up with you got to keep coming up with content every week. I mean, you know, and I told you this before, Duke. I mean, you, I, I enjoy listening to your shows. You're right up there with Flair. I, I truly appreciate that, and and it's it's crazy because to to do something consistently for seven straight years, and there have been very few weeks where I didn't post an episode. I, I was going back and and adding up the um the missed weeks, and I think I I missed a total of five weeks, but. I've doubled and sometimes tripled up episodes certain weeks. So actually, I'm way ahead. I'm like something like 20 episodes ahead of where I should be at this point. That's so. That's, that's yeah. great. You know, it's, and it's, I remember 
I remember the first episode I did, it was you and the Boston bad boy. That's and right. So now, now um, it's just you. It's your solo. And, uh, you know, that, you know, that's just, that's just progress, you know. It is. And, and you know, he was training me on how to figure out how to do this stuff. Because uh, legitimately Boston bad boy is a, it's a pretty uh, big name in the, in the radio industry. He's a manager in radio. So at the time he was just a uh, producer, but now he's a, he's a decision maker. And, you know, we were in the, a real studio, CBS radio, actually doing that show. And, and he was teaching me how to do it properly and stuff like that. Cause in the beginning I was just messing around and wasn't doing any editing, but there was something there. So once I was able to get into a real studio and kind of get polished a little bit, it allowed me to understand the, it's just a, a massive amount of work, as you said, because you, you got to creatively think about what you're going to talk about each episode. You got to track down guests. Your schedules have to align. You got to record it and then you got to edit it. And then here's the other part. Then you got to distribute it throughout. So you're talking iTunes, Spotify, you know, you got to make it accessible for people that have um, what's what's the thing, the Amazon Echo or, or you know, Siri, you know, all those things that you can just talk into and then it right. plays stuff. And then here's the new thing. Now, there's a new world now, Rudy, in the past two years. Now you got to make reels, put it up on Instagram with the clips and stuff like that. So it's a whole new you know, potential revenue stream, but it's a whole new way of uh, repurposing your content as well, which. What does that translate into? More work. And this is right. not my shoot job. I got a whole shoot job and a whole shoot life outside of podcasting. Um, so wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A whole what? <laughs> Imagine that. You're shooting people? What, what, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I, you know, there's, there were, I have other things that I do that take up most of my time. So this is legitimately the thing that I do on the side. Um, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to use wrestling terms in, in front of you. There. Sorry about that. I didn't want to smarten you up there. So, you know. <laughs> but it's 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 interesting, you know, going through this whole journey through podcasting because it it allows me to respect and have a better understanding of what you've gone through because you know it's it's 2023. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but this will be your 41st year in the wrestling business, right? Well, you're exactly right. 41 years. I started January 2nd, 1982, walked in the office for the first time. And um, so at the time of this recording that we're doing, uh, one of the wrestlers, Jeff Gaylord, just passed away. And he was one of the guys. He played football for the San Antonio Gunslingers here in San Antonio. So I saw him play football a couple of times. And then he started training with us um, with a guy named Tom Jones. So that really made me reflect because – you know, Jeff was just right. You know, he just came in right after I did. And so, of course, I sent my, a message to my our good friend, Dusty Wolf. Hey, man, Jeff Gabler just passed away. And he sent me a message back. I know. I know. <laughs> That's, what more needs to be said? I know. <laughs> so, but, you know, I mean, definitely I, I, rest in peace, Jeff Gaylord, and shout out to his family there. Jeff Gaylord, uh, I think the biggest name he made for himself was back in Global Wrestling Federation. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, as as a matter of fact, I think he also worked a couple of uh, for a short time with WWE as the uh, 
I don't want to. I don't know who, like the Black Patriot or something. It was one okay, of, it was, okay. Did I didn't realize yeah. Gaylord was a Black Patriot, so he was up and down. And that makes sense now. You say that he was up and down Texas with yeah, that he, gimmick. Yeah, the Dark Patriot. Here. Dark Patriot. Yeah, he was here, and then he went to world class wrestling with the Von Erichs. Yep, and. Um, I think he did like uh, stuff with Jerry Lawler over in Memphis, and then yep. he went. To, I mean, he 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 he's got around for a little bit, you know. And That's then he amazing. had some he had some you know run-ins with the law and stuff, and and I mean, and I'm not knocking, I'm not I'm not one to you know knock the dead or anything, but I mean, and the stories that that are out there are funny. They're 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 sad, but they're funny also because you know when you hear them, it's like who does that? <laughs> who does that? You know. It's, it's uh again I'm not I'm not not I, I, you know Jeff was always nice to me always you know he he was a uh, you know if, if I'm if I'm a um like we say if I'm a mark to anything it's I'm attracted to the guys that played pro sports not wrestling but pro sports and Jeff Gaylord played for the for the Gunslingers I think he said he got drafted by the Colts or somebody and that's just always fascinated me just the the actual feel like Wahoo McDaniel played for the Jets, you know, guys like that, the, you know, the guys that were legitimate athletes and then they were, then they got into pro wrestling. Those guys have always fascinated me. I've always been attracted to them. Well, well, think about this, talking about being fascinated. I was born in, in 82, but I was born in December of 82. So you've been in the wrestling business long and I've been alive. That's crazy. Now, you think about how many times you've been on this show. You think about how many countless conversations you and I have had to think that you've been doing this thing. Not that you've been alive. You've been doing this thing longer than I've been alive. Right. Dude, how is it possible that you've been able to endure and, and find a way to make a living out of pro wrestling for so long? You know what? I just had a conversation with one of my students about this because he was asking about he was just getting some, he was just looking for some guidance. I think he, he's in a spot, he's having a second kid and um, he's like 24, 25 years old. And he just, he has a, uh, a regular job and he's trying to get into pro wrestling and stuff. And, and how, you know, and he asked me how I, how I've been around for so long. And I think the, I think, I think the key is to just be able to adjust. Cause when I broke in, uh, you can make a living, you know, in pro wrestling, you could, you know, you wrestled seven days a week, sometimes twice on Sundays. But unfortunately, when I broke in also, they went from the era of, um, you know, Chavo Guerrero, who was 5'8", 5'9", 5'10". You know, guys like that. Manny Fernandez was, he was a six foot, but he was like 5'11", or so. or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like from one day to the next, you had Kerry Von Erich and Lex Luger and Hulk Hogan and said, but you had these guys that were six five, six six, and so the smaller guys like myself, they were kind of getting phased out. So, you know, some guys that I knew just quit wrestling because they just weren't big enough. Um, some got into adapt and they made themselves somehow uh, wink wink big enough to compete, you know, with the bigger guys and. And I mean, like in my case, I went, I didn't, I didn't take any special vitamins or anything, but I went to Mexico where I was as the same size as a lot of talent that was there. Um, so the key is, I think for me was just being able to adjust, being able to adapt. And I, you know, I, I knew, I knew, I knew I was never going to rest. I was, I was never going to main event any big wrestling promotion because I just wasn't that guy. I understood right away. Joe Blanchard did a good job in, in, um, 
you know, laying the law down to me and telling me what to expect and what not to expect. So I knew I wasn't going to, you know, and then when, when, when Vince McMahon took over, I knew for sure I was never going to re- main event WrestleMania. It, it just wasn't into, but I could, I learned enough. I knew enough about the wrestling business that I could help guys get over by being that quote unquote jobber guy or whatever. I got plenty of work doing that stuff and I made decent money too. And then the independence came around and then, so it helped a little bit. I mean, it, it, when I hear guys try and bash the business for whatever reason. I just tell them, man, you just got to, you know, you got to step back, you know, put your ego to the side and just, just figure out where can you fit in? What can you do to contribute? What can you do to make this work? It's not, you know, and, and especially now as the years have gone by, I mean, it's, it's, um, you hate saying, you know, anybody can do it, but almost anybody can do it. You just got to find your spot. You know, you got to, you know, I've had, I had a kid that came to my, you know, came to my school a few years ago and, um, uh, you know, not, I'm not being mean, but he just, he was, he sucked. He was horrible. And, um, so he told me, he goes, I don't think I'll ever be a wrestler. And I'm like, no, I go, but you can referee. So he's like, yeah, I'll try that. So I put him to referee for a few matches and he wasn't very good at that either. And, uh, so we, we sat down and have a conversation and he's like, man, I really want to be part of pro wrestling, but I can't wrestle. I'm not a very good referee. I said, okay, so what can you do? And, um, I think he, you know, he was able to, to record stuff. You know, he had a, he could video stuff and edit stuff and whatever. And I said, man, I said, that's an invaluable, um, you know, thing that you can do because guys, want their matches recorded they want their their stuff edited and they want to have these cool looking videos and stuff so there you go and sure enough there he went and he started recording and started you know he had like um a little wrestling show on twitch um you know and he he did really good so i mean you just gotta you know you just you know on on my case on anybody really you just gotta figure out you know what you can do that can be part of that big puzzle that that's pro wrestling. What, what part can you do? What can you do? Well, that will fit into, you know, this stuff. Um, and then, you know, my, you know, and I told us, I told this kid the other day also, I was, you know, when I grew up, the furthest thing in my mind was to do anything with pro wrestling. I wasn't a wrestling fan. Like a lot of these guys are now. My thing was to, to be a football coach. So I'm coaching guys. It's not football. But I'm sharing knowledge. I'm I'm sharing, you know, stuff that that you know, guys that are more athletic or that can fit those roles better than I ever could. I'm giving them hints and tips on how they can be better and fit into that, you know, wrestling mode or whatever. You know, and I, I guess I do it so well because I've gone three times to the performance center and and. Um, worked with not just independent wrestling guys, but like I was just there the last, the last week of February. And there are some premier freaking good athletes, great attitudes, good size, athletic ability. I mean, the whole nine yards. And so this kid that had nothing to do with wrestling when he was growing up, you know, is now, you know, is, is now working with, uh, and it, it's a part-time deal. I'm not, it's not a full-time thing or anything like that yet. But I'm working with the biggest wrestling company in the world and training their you know, future stars. 
And um, so again, it's just, you know, on my end, it's, it was just a matter of, you know, this isn't going to work for me, but maybe I can do this or this doesn't work for me. Maybe I can do that. And you just got to find your niche. And so I, and that's, what's kept me around for the last 41 years um, in this, in this great business. Well, I'll tell you, you know, that's, that's pretty special. Um, 41 years later to be able to, you know, be able to make a, any kind of living in pro wrestling would be impressive. But the fact that you're still even able to do work with the WWE, that's just incredible, incredible stuff. I, I wonder about something because, you know, for lack of a better term, we see what the dirt sheets always say about it seems every every six months it's well you know the wwe they're no longer uh going to be looking at the indies and they're going to be recruiting their own athletes and no you know anyone who's on the indies they they don't have a chance anymore and then another six months later it's they need more experienced talent so they're looking at the indies and all this you know all the while in between they continue to bring in a mixture of people who've never been in the business before, like a like a soul roca. And then they bring in somebody who has been on the indies for years. Rock well, yeah. Rock, yeah. Rock, Roxanne, she, she's a great example. Somebody who's been on the indies for years and she's wrestled all over, uh, making her her way there. So it's it's an interesting thing where the dirt sheets are just trying to predict without any tangible information. You know, they're trying to predict which way the company is going to go. What do you say to a young person, especially for you as somebody who is a trainer? You do have a school. You do have your own promotion. No Texas Wrestling Academy and Texas Wrestling Entertainment. What do you say to these kids who they they get caught up in these reports? Oh, no, the WWE is not going to hire people in the indies anymore. Should I still be training with you now? How do you how do you ease those concerns? So just like uh, I explained earlier was, you know, you just find, you got to find a way you got to f- figure out a way to fit in. And then at the end of the day, you have to be different. So whatever you see on TV, you do want to go along with whatever you're seeing, what they're doing. But at the same time, what can I do to, to make myself stand out? What can I do just because uh and, and and triple h has made comments that you know indie guys have bad habits and stuff like that all right what bad habits are you talking about what do i what, what what do i bring to the table but you also hear william regal say something like you know they want guys that are coachable so if you know so if you have bad habits then you have to also be the guy that is coachable that can that you know if they tell you don't do something then don't do it don't come back with well, my trainer over in uh, goofy goofballs, uh, hard knocks of wrestling, told me, "No, man, they don't want to hear that." You're, they they're trying to. If you go work at Walmart, if you worked at Target for ten years, and then you got a job at Walmart doing the same exact thing, I don't think they do the same exact type of work uh, at both places. I'm sure Target has their own ways of doing stuff, and I'm sure Walmart has their way. So if you go to Walmart. And they say, okay, we don't want you to put these products on top. We want to put these products on the bottom. You're not going to come back and say, well, at Target, we used to put, no, man, just do it. You just do your job. Just do what they ask you to do. And and same thing at WB or, or wherever. If, if, if they say, okay, we don't want you to do this. This is what, this is how we teach guys. Then, okay, there you go. That That's the, if that's how, if that's how they 
they do things and you want to work for that company, then do things the way they do it so that you can get hired. My son was working at Amazon for, I don't know, several, a couple of years or so and hair grew out and, and, and so he's trying to get another job now. And, uh, cause he's working overnight. So we got tired of that and stuff. And so he's, he wants to work at another job. And so he's like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to hire me dad. I don't know. And I said, look around at the other kids that are working there and, and tell me what you see. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, all those kids are clean cut. They're good looking, you know, they're hard little workers and stuff. I'm not saying you're not a hard worker. I'm not saying you're, you know, I'm, but cut your hair. <laughs> and he's like, but dad, I was like, cut your hair. It'll grow back. But they obviously want a certain image, a certain type of employees. So fit in. So, you know, same thing, same thing with these guys, with, with us. If, you know, figure out a way to fit in. There is no... Yet, yes, they did put out a statement that they're looking at bringing in and they're doing these tryouts with these, you know, NCAA Division One football players and these MMA um, female fighters and, and these gymnasts, world class gymnast girls and stuff like that. And and because uh, they're looking for a different type of athlete, they're looking for a different look, they're looking for fresh faces, they're looking for people that have um uh, followers and stuff, you know, that, that there's, there's a twist right there is nobody. I certainly haven't, haven't thought of, of, uh, of followers. I don't, you know, if, Hey, if you want to follow me, great. If you don't, then that's fine too. I I've never concentrated on that, but um, I think when, at one time we talked and you did point out, and I looked up some of the people that I knew that are at the performance center now, and they have like 2 million followers, like 200,000 followers. They have, you know, so they're looking at that also. So, and it's always been like this in pro wrestling. There's not one size fits all. Whatever this guy did, this this is what I'm going to do. It's it's you got to make yourself unique. No one ever thought that a podcast guy would be one of the top wrestling talents in WWE. But you know, there was his name, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, whatever. You know, no one ever thought a rapper would be one of the top talents in WWE bad bunny. bunny. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and those guys, I remember when they're, when they first came up, when their names came up, they were getting trashed because they were rappers and they weren't into wrestling business and they weren't, you know, no dedication and all that stuff. You know, they don't know what it's like. And, and, um, shoot, man, they're, you know, they're stealing shows, man. So WWE has a knack for reaching out and looking for talent in places we would never even have thought of. Who knows, Duke? Maybe you're, you know, maybe you might have a WrestleMania down down the road. You never know. You know, you 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 just don't know. You can't just look at this stuff and say, oh, man, I'm never going to. You know, I'm never going to make it. If you think you're never going to make it, you're right. You're never with that attitude. You're never going to make it. If you. If you want to be part of this deal, then find a niche, find a spot, find find some way, shape, or form that that a way that you're going to fit in, and then you know bring it to their attention. And that may not work. That may not be what they're looking for. So then you've got to go back to the drawing board and and just keep you know just keep trying, just keep working at it. First of all, if I have a uh, a WrestleMania <laughs> moment. In my future, there it probably is going to include uh, getting beat up by Roman Reigns or something like that because I've, I've definitely have I've said a lot of things about him through the years, and I know he owes me one. But um, 
It's it's interesting because I'm at a point now personally where despite my age and you know, I guess I'm not I can't really say I'm a young guy anymore at 40 years old. I'm I'm kind of crossing over now. But I I've been in some type of management or leadership position in every job I've ever had. And when you're in charge of developing other people, leading other people, showing other people how to do something and then responsible for holding them accountable, you know, that matures you in a different way. I got to tell you, Rudy, on a personal level, I find that this generation, and we're talking, you know, people between the ages of 18 and let's say 30, they have a very difficult time accepting coaching, applying coaching. They have a very difficult time uh, separating constructive criticism and, and teaching from somebody attacking their, their them personally. Or, you know, if you tell them that they're doing something wrong or there's a better way to do something, if you try to correct them in any way, even if that's your job, they act as if you are basically telling them that they're no good. Right. Interpretation of the of the of the coaching is so strange. And, it, and it's a it's a generational thing. There's there's something about where we've been in society where people just have a very difficult time accepting that they don't know what they don't know. So hearing you point out that, you know, in order to make it to the big time, you have to be coachable. That's a big deal. It sounds so simple, but it's not simple for a lot of these young people. I mean, am I on to something here? No, you're exactly on point, man. You're exactly, exactly right. So when I first got in, Joe Blanchard sat me down, and I didn't think I, I, I've never, ever, 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 ever thought that I was some kind of super athlete or anything like that. But Joe Blanchard sat me down, and he just gave me the, you know, the whole. I thought it was like an hour long speech, but it was probably ten minutes. But he just. He just laid it all out on the line. You know, you're going to you're going to starve. You're going to sleep in your car. You're going to struggle. You're, you know, he gave me the whole nine yards of how horrible the wrestling business is or can be. And, um, and I've always remembered that. And so I've always that's always been in the back of my mind and, and everything I've done, um, even though something can be great today. It can all fall apart tomorrow. So you always got to just keep working at it, working at it. And if somebody if somebody takes the time to say, you know, Hey Duke, um, that drop kick you did was horrible. And I didn't think nothing of it when I was told this, but if they're taking the time to watch you and to stop and give you some kind of, you know, critique, they care as opposed to you can, you can walk to the back and think you had the greatest match in the world and nobody says anything to you. That's that, that, that should tell you, uh, you're screwing up somewhere and you better start making a connection with some of these guys because you're going to be gone pretty soon. So if they don't tell you anything, nobody really gives it. Nobody really cares. Nobody cares about you. No, you know, yeah. Okay. You had a great match. Good. You know, so what? And I've seen it time and time and time and time and time again, where guys have been pulled to the side and, and not everybody. I mean, you know, pro wrestling isn't full of college professors. It's just, different personalities, different gimmicks, different, you know, characters, different backgrounds. Not everybody's going to tell you, you know, um, hey, Rudy, that was a great match, but, um, hey, that was a great movie, did. But maybe if you tried, not everybody told me, you know, w was very nice in their criticism or critiques on my stuff. 
some guys were very, uh, for lack of a better word, some guys were very rude. Some guys were very, you know, obnoxious. Some guys were very, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, what the heck did I just do wrong? But, uh, the, but then it came also, okay, he took time to watch. He's taking time to tell me what I did wrong. So it can't be all that bad, you know? And, and today guys, if you, if you tell them, Hey man, you had a great match. You're the greatest guy in the world. But the minute you say, but <laughs> you just, you know, you just, you just screwed up. Uh, and, and guys can't be that way. They gotta, you know, they have to be able to listen. And, and, and maybe, maybe that whoever's criticizing, you know, giving you your critique or, or telling you stuff, maybe that doesn't fit. Maybe that, you know, maybe you to completely disagree with them. That's fine. Just say, okay, sir, thank you. I appreciate your time. And move on. You don't have to go back and, you know, wow, he's an old head and he don't, you know, this isn't 1984 anymore. And, you know, just yes, sir, no, sir, you know, and that's it. And and, and move on. Uh, and guys aren't like that today. Guys, like you said, if, if you say, you know, your shoelaces are untied, oh, man, what? And then, and, and, and you're, <laughs> you know, you might as well be Satan because you, you just, you know, critique this guy and he didn't like what you said and it's it's guys can't be that way because there there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are losing spots because of that or that are losing opportunities because of that attitude you know you and i have uh really interesting conversations about this that and the other thing and especially the the business of pro wrestling because I'm, I'm really into the business of it and you live it so who better to talk to than someone who has experienced it on every single level from being a guy setting up the ring to being a guy who is in charge of, of paying the talent. You know what I mean? Like that's, you, you've done it all in that regard. One right. of the things that we talked about early, I'm going way back, man, like, you know, five, six years ago, I remember saying to you, you know, Rudy, women and, and, and people of color, those two groups in particular are going to be, what's going to be focused on in the not too distant future, because the world is changing. Society is changing and people are very conscious of the fact that when they turn on the TV or when they go out for entertainment, they don't see themselves as much. And, and at this point in life, why can't we see ourselves in everything that we consume? You know, when I watch a commercial, when I watch sports, when I, when I go to my local restaurant, what have you, yeah, it's good to see, you know, something different, but I need to see myself as well. And, and when we have a mixture of a little bit of, of as much as you can put in there, that truly is what diversity is all about. And I remember you saying to me, yeah, that makes sense. And, and it was funny because you had already been doing that for years at the Texas Wrestling Academy. And when people take a look at your, your cards that you've put on in Texas Wrestling Entertainment, you know, your wrestling events, just complete diversity, you know, women in the main event, all kinds of interesting things that are not traditional, or at least wasn't at the time, traditional in pro wrestling. Now it's the wave. Now everybody is focusing on that. Now, you know, companies are losing money because they're they're lacking in diversity. And as a result of that, they're they're putting together entire um, business plans on how to address that in order to attract more of a diverse fan base so that their business doesn't ultimately die. What do you think about that? And, and more importantly, what do you think the next thing is going to be? What's the next thing in pro wrestling that 
you think the industry is going to shift to because it's something that is necessary that may be, I don't want to say missing, but maybe lacking right now. If you draw, if you can, if you can sell tickets, then, you know, you should have the top spot. And so I think growing up uh, in the business, not growing up as from a kid, but growing up from 18 years old to now, I I've had the privilege to see a lot of different people um, and, and we'll, we'll say women like Susan Green, uh, Sherry Martell, uh, Wendy Rick, a, a lot of different women coming in and they were given uh, a ceiling, I guess, you know, they could only go so far, but I always thought, man, I, you know, this, you know, these, you know, Susan Green should be in the main event against, you know, whoever, because their matches were really good. But for whatever reason, they weren't. And so years later, I don't care if you're black, white, green, yellow. I don't care if you're straight, gay, if you're I don't care as long as you put in the work and you can. That's how everyone should be. As long as you put in the work and you draw, you know, um, you you, you got a chance you got you you should be given that chance and once you're given that chance take it as far as you can carry that ball as far as you can i saw a group in florida put a match with micah and a girl named kelsey and a girl named rocky radley in a three-way and they tore the place down man they were like the, the semi-final they may have been the third match from the top but they tore the place down. They tore the place down. So the next, the following show, the promoter put Kelsey Lynn and Micah in the semifinal match. Boom. They tore the place down again. And a, a huge crowd. They tore, they did so well that the fans were, we want the women in the main event match. And I felt bad for me and the promoter were, were standing there. And I'm like, holy cow. I felt bad for the guys because they couldn't follow that. I had a match with Micah and a girl named Baby D who, you know, they, again, they tore the place down and they, they did so well that the main event couldn't follow them. So you give the, you give them the, you give them the ball, let them run with it, let them go, let them do. And there's a lot of talented females, you know, in, here in Texas and in all over the place. If you draw, then you should be in the top spot. Being the top guy should have, to do with your friends or the promoters or your buddies or your neighbor or anything the top spot goes to the guys that draw i think in some places the you know the african-american you know and hispanics and whatever i think they are being held down because of their skin color but they shouldn't be they that's wrong that's that's completely wrong i you know i i had a kid that was you know very talented very phenomenal i mean I had no problem putting the belt on him, putting the, and again, I shouldn't say that because he did it himself by his hard work and going out there and, and connecting with the fans and everything, doing everything that he needed to do to, to get that spot. He earned that, that right to be the Texas champion. And, um, his name is Terrell Tempo. And, uh, same thing when, when Max Castellano was our champion and, and then I had a kid moonshine Mantel and, you know, I mean, black, white, Hispanic, you know, um, uh, if you draw, if you, if you, if the fans want to see you, uh, 
If the fans want to see you in that top spot, then give it to them. There shouldn't be, um, well, uh, this is South Texas, so we need to have a Hispanic guy. If, if your Hispanic guys aren't drawn, then then that's just all that you know. That's too bad. You know, the guys that draw, the guys the and and the guys that fans want to see should hold the top spots. And a perfect example of that is the people at WWE. I think Bianca Belair just surpassed. Uh, or just just hit a milestone of being the longest reigning African American champion, male or female, in the history of WWE. Um, and so the 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 part of the 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 other kicker on that is she wasn't an independent wrestler; she was uh, an athlete. I think at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, she was a powerlifter and all that. She had no wrestling experience at all, but she became. She's become a draw. Um, people want to see her, uh, and 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 WWE, whoever's in charge, Vince or or Triple H or, or whoever, you know, they see that and they put her in that spot. And you see the numbers on TV. It's it's not just you know we're trying to make a statement. She does the job, and and that's how it's supposed to be. We're getting a lesson here, folks. I'm telling you, the the trainer of champions, the legendary Rudy Boy Gonzalez, just completely laying it out there for us and explaining pro wrestling, not only the history, but from a modern standpoint, what folks should be focusing on. So all of you aspiring wrestlers and aspiring promoters out there, even if you've already started in the business, you just got a masterclass right there. So what are you going to do with this knowledge now? Because he just gave it to you. So it's it's interesting, and I, I appreciate you, Rudy. What's the best way folks can keep up with you, especially anyone who wants to sit under your learning tree and, and really get a better understanding of what it takes to be successful, especially coming from somebody who's again, 41 years in the business. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. I have uh, my wrestling page and I have my, my own page. Um, and I don't really do too much on the, re- on my, on my wrestling page because I'm really not wrestling that much anymore, but to try and contact me is, is mainly my Facebook page. Rudy Boy Gonzalez. It says El Presidente on it. Um, I just want to see guys do well and be successful. And, and this business is just so weird, man. It's, it's so hard to do that, but, but then again, it's, it's so easy to do it. You just got to, you know, connect the dots and, and see what's going on out there. Hey, this is Booker T six time world champion. And you're listening to Duke love wrestling. Now, can you dig that? Until next time, folks, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others others enjoy wrestlemania take it away tony shivani this is tony shivani and we're definitely out of time on duke love wrestling <laughs>